My guest was taken to heaven and saw the tear room. He saw the stored up tears of many people like Moses, Elijah, Catherine Coleman, even the tears of some that he knew did not even make it to heaven. Hello, hello, and welcome to another exciting episode of Skeptics and Seekers Sunday Sermon. This is for us. I'm David Johnson. That's when he got the most shocking revelation. Next. Let's get started. Now, Pastor Derek Snodgrass had a praying mother. Okay. Uh, I don't care about Pastor Snodgrass's praying mother. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave that there for a moment. Uh, this is uh, some fossil, maybe someone who recognizes the voice or hunts down the video. You can tell me who this is, but he does a show called It's Supernatural. My guess is this is uh, from a particular brand of Pentecostalism. Uh, it's, it's the crazier part of charismatic Pentecostalism, <laughs> no. uh, because there are, there are gradations. And uh, the, the conservative Pentecostal movement, they're nuts, but they're acceptably nuts. These are the people who are drowning in the deep end, and they don't know it. So, um, yeah, I a little inside baseball. When I started 4S, this, this Sunday Sermon project, I wanted it to be two things. I wanted to to be a serious look at Christian teaching, the, the state of Christian teaching today. And I wanted it to be a low-effort project because I was really busy. I had an itch that I needed to scratch, but I didn't need it to take up all of my time and energy because I had other things on my plate. Things like red letters, uh, for instance. If you if you want to know about the project that I am most passionate about, and you're not familiar with my book, Red Letters, A Closer Look at the Worst Practical and Moral Teachings in History, we're, we're looking at uh, all things Jesus over there. Just uh, check out my Patreon. Get the book for free. Sign up, become a member, you can cancel any time. It's patreon.com slash red letters. So over here, I wanted a low effort project. Turns out 4S is a very high effort project. It takes up a lot of time and a lot of effort. And every week I listen to a lot of sermons, a lot of sermons. It's amazing how many sermons I cram in. Obviously, you don't hear most of them. A lot of them are junk sermons and what I would feel would be joke sermons. They would just hurt my credibility if I play them. It would hurt the credibility of this podcast, whatever credibility it has. But I... I'm having a particularly low-effort week this week because I'm, I'm extremely busy with other things. And um, I figured, you know what? I am going to play one of these sermons that I would normally throw away. 
So this is what ends up in the trash heap of uh, 4S. We are on this show with Pastor Snodgrass telling us about his encounter with Jesus and his visit to the tear room in heaven. This will come with limited interruptions, I promise. This time, I, I really promise. He was trained, get this, to fast and pray and read the Bible at seven. But at 17, God audibly told Derek what the name of his church that he pastors today would be and that it would attract the broken and the unchurched. That same year, he had a life-changing encounter with the Holy Spirit. Derek, tell me about that. Yeah, so Sid, growing up in my family, it was normal for us to fast. It was normal. I'm sorry. I've, I'm so sorry. Okay, look. This is, this is a branch of Christianity that believes that God talks to them, actually talks to them. And, you know, they're, they're further in the deep end than most mainstream Christians, I think. That is, that is the impression that I get. So whenever one of them claims that God audibly, clearly messaged them, he spoke to them, he told them precise information that they didn't have to interpret, it makes me wonder why he doesn't talk to more people and tell them things like, don't take I-5. Bad things are going to happen to you. Take the I-90 to work. I promise you'll thank me later. For us to pray. And even though we weren't saved, my mom really just gave us that training. Um, and it started off small, three or four hours a day, but then it grew to something even greater. Uh, you call three or four hours a day small. Yeah, it was small for us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. so, but eventually it would grow into something to where she was really just planting that seed within us to when we truly had our own walk with God, that would be a part of our pursuit of how to seek the Lord. That's called indoctrination bordering on child abuse. At 16, you really got serious with the Lord. What happened? I got serious about the Lord, said, and I just asked God to fill me with the Holy Spirit, baptize me in the Holy Ghost. And so there was a revival coming to our church, and I went to the service completely focused that I wasn't going to get anything less than what God had for me. When I went to that service, we went on the altar in Pentecostal, we tarry, is when you go to the altar and you just call on Jesus. And I began to... Okay, so um, he, he threw out some terminology here, a little bit of jargon, tarrying. I am familiar with this term. Maybe Sarah will come along and, and say more about it, but tarrying for the Lord is when you kind of respond to an altar call and you just sit around and meditate on God to do something in your life or in your physical body or whatever it is, a, a form of deep meditation. I, I think it probably involves more than that, but we're going to need our resident expert Pentecostal to, to fully explain tarrying for the Lord.
envision Jesus dying on the cross. I begin to envision his sacrifice for me. And I begin to call on Jesus out of my heart. And I remember for the first time, Sid, I felt the power of what I know now as the Holy Spirit kind of pushing me back on the outside of me. And I didn't have language for it then, but I felt a supernatural power and presence on the outside, and I felt myself going backwards. And all of a sudden, I felt... <laughs> I'm so sorry. I, I wish I could have done this in video, but I just didn't have the time to. <laughs> it's a lot of extra editing. But uh, so if you if you watch the video, maybe I'll uh, link the video in this. Uh, screw it. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> but but so they're they're recreating a lot of the scenes that are being discussed here. Pretty much all of the scenes. And in this one, there's there's this Pentecostal. I've been to Pentecostal services like this. So this is a pretty accurate fiction. But, uh, you know, when you heard the clomp, that was, that was a man falling on the floor, falling over the chairs, and uh, now, now he's on the floor, and, uh, and he's starting to roll around, and uh, people are making room for him to roll back and that forth. That same presence go into me. Should have hurt, but it didn't. It felt like I landed on a bag of feathers. That, that, that doesn't make sense in the natural. It makes no sense in the natural, but it's supernatural. Amen, and it makes no I'm natural sense. Back, my tongue literally got loose, and I started speaking in unknown tongues and in a language I had never been taught. I fell to the ground, and I started uh, otherwise known as gibberish. like I was on fire. And God completely filled me with the Holy Spirit, and from that point to this day, I never looked back. And that power that's within him causes him to operate in his ministry and in, in his church in the miraculous. Tell us a few things that have gone on in the miraculous. Yeah, so a few things that have happened in our ministry, we've seen people get healed, we've seen people get delivered from drugs and addictions, we've seen vices broken off of people's life. There was a woman who came, she goes to our church, and she had a daughter who had a skin condition. So she brings her daughter out, they jump out of the car, and they say, look at her, and immediately, you would not have wanted to touch her because it was so much outbreak on her body from this skin disease. So she shows me, she lifts up her shirt, I see her stomach, it's all over. That's not creepy at all, uh, by the way. <laughs> the little girl lifts up her shirt so you can, you, know, you can see her skin condition. On the video, it is a, it's an excellent makeup job. It's, it's a horror movie quality makeup. Maybe, maybe better than that. Her stomach all over her neck. And they say, we're gonna have to take her to the hospital. She's been like this for three days. She's not getting better. We've given her over the counter meds, prescriptions, nothing's working. They said, we just said, we're gonna bring her to the church first so you could pray for her and believe God to heal. Parents, that is the wrong impulse. When you see something that is wrong with your child and you say to yourself, oh, this child needs a doctor, don't stop by the church first. There are no doctors there.
believe you know, and see it in the flesh. Sometimes our flesh is weak. Our spirit is willing. And when I saw her sickness, I was intimidated. And the first thing I thought was, man, you should have took her to the hospital, you know, but then I envisioned the cross next to the sickness. And I said, the cross is bigger. And so we all grabbed hands. I said, let's just believe believe God God to give her new skin, fresh skin to heal this sickness. You hadn't taught, you hadn't uh, given them no service, no message, no prepping, no testimonies. We went straight forward. And I literally attacked the sickness and I began to rebuke that skin disease. And I didn't pray high, hopeful, wishing God. He rebuked the skin disease. And he didn't pray high, hopeful, wishing, you know, the namby pamby, you know, what your will be done, God, you know, what, whatever you see fit, <laughs> help us to accept your will. None of that. No, no, no. He went right at it. He went right at it, brother, and he rebuked that skin. Please, would you? I commanded that skin disease to dry up in the name of Jesus. And I said, we just speak fresh skin over her body right now. No matter how much I rebuke my beard, I can't get it to trim itself. Now, and one of the other members in the circle screamed out and said, Pastor Derek, it's clearing up. It's clearing up. And she had completely fresh skin in 10 seconds. I just want to I just want to point out that yes this is a part of limited interruptions folks. I just wanted to point out that this type of testimony and this type of video, this this staged video is what this type of Christian points to as evidence completely cleared up. Well, you know the greatest miracles I understand are occurring in the pantry. What is the pantry? Um, so our pantry is just an outreach ministry that we have. The Lord gave us this initiative to reach out to our community. We partner with the food bank in our, in our um, city. And it was just a way for us to not be so preachy and just relate to the people on a practical level by meeting their natural need first. And by meeting their natural need, then it opens up the door for us to do ministry. So it's really just a strategy. And so there was one day, one of I just wanted to highlight all this food pantry stuff, it's really just a strategy. The notable ones, I remember this woman came up to our pantry, we had never seen her before, and she had two leg brace casts on, one on each leg. She had two walker sticks. She was limping to us, and she walks over and she says, I just need food, I just need food. And so we were like, we'd be glad to help you, we'd be glad to give you some food. And I said, ma'am, if it's okay with you, I would love to pray for you. I said, what happened to your knees? She was like, oh, oh, I just need a double knee replacement. And I was like, okay, I said, well, can I pray? I said, I believe Jesus wants to heal your knees. She was like, oh, son, it's been like this for years. She was in her 60s. She's like, it's been like this for years. I've just been putting off the surgery. I said, well, can I just pray for you? So I got down on my knees, Sid, and I put both of my hands on her knees. And in the name of Jesus, I just commanded any abnormality in her knees to leave. I spoke to the tendons, the muscles, the joints, and I just said brand new knees in Jesus name. So after I. Will someone please speak to the tendons, muscles, and joints in my knees so that I don't have to do this damned physical therapy. Pray for her, commanded Jesus. the sickness to leave. Tough I told her up. to test it out, uh-uh. and she said she didn't feel comfortable taking off the leg braces. And I told her she didn't have to. I said, well, God can still heal you. God so afterwards, I said, when you get home, you may want to get on your bed, take your knee braces off, and begin to test out your knees. Sid, the next week, she came back to food pantry, no walker sticks, 
no <laughs> knee braces, and she was completely ecstatic. She had a card, a thank you card, and she said, I've never seen this happen in my life. She said both of my knees were healed, and she began to squat and bend. Oh, praise Jesus. And she came back a year later just to give us an update to say, I'm still healed. God is real. But, you know, with everything Derek said, it's absolutely almost impossible for me to believe that a few years ago he had a dry spell. Miracles and salvations kind of squeaked to a close. You lost your spiritual hunger. You became desperate and cried out to God, reignite my hunger. Tell me about that experience. Yeah, Sid, so after a period of time, you know, I just became dry and stale in my walk with the Lord. I felt like I was going through the motions. And I got to a place in my walk with God to where it was a breaking point. And I said, Lord, it has to be more than this. And I had reason within myself that if God didn't touch me and if I didn't see an outpouring of God's presence in my life, I was going to probably stop pastoring or probably stop doing ministry and just work a secular job and be happy. That would have been a tragedy. It would have been a tragedy. So literally, I began to pray. And that same teaching my mom instilled in us as young children is on another level now. So I'm fasting now for weeks and weeks and weeks at a time. Time, crying out to God, desperate for God, Lord, please touch me, please ignite my soul. And one night I was literally seeking the Lord and I just began to read the scriptures. And the scriptures went, see it from black and white, in the best way I can describe it, to full four color HD. It literally, it was like the scriptures became alive, they became real. And I began to see scriptures that I preached before in a completely different light. And all of these scriptures very much so pointed to the same thing, that God wasn't some out in the clouds, ambiguous God, but he was a personal God who was very near to me and who wanted to encounter me. And so I began to weep, I began to cry, and I began to shake and I began to tremble. I closed my eyes and I just began to immediately repent, which was off cuff because I didn't practice that, I didn't rehearse it. But when the presence of God came, it was like I saw God so clearly. I just began to weep and say, God, I'm so sorry. God, please forgive me, please forgive me. And I didn't know why I did that until later I read Isaiah when he saw God and the first thing he cried, woe is me. And that it was literally, I had a woe is me moment because I saw my humanity and I saw all of my unrighteousness in the presence of a holy God. And from that moment, God reignited my soul. He gave me a new passion, a new fire, a new fervor, and the spirit of brokenness came on me and stayed on me for three months. And then you started studying. Would someone please explain to me what the spirit of brokenness is? The generals of the faith. Yes, sir. I started studying. Oh, wait, I think I got it. I just looked in my wallet. I too have been visited by the spirit of brokenness. Generals um, of the faith, people who were heroes to the faith in this generation. And I saw how God used their ministry. I saw God, how God worked through them. And then supernaturally, I actually was turned on to this show called Is Supernatural. I had never heard of it before, but literally the Holy Spirit just guided me to it. And I began to binge watch that for four to six hours a day, which ignited faith within me that my walk could even look like this. Well, you know, my heart's desire is that's why we do the show. 
so that you will be able to do everything and greater works than the guests on my show. And then you started having encounters with God. Tell me about that. Yeah, once I was exposed to how God was interacting and how people were encountering Jesus, I really began to release my faith for that. And I said, Lord, if this is possible, if this is real, can you encounter me like that? It was, it was simple, but it was very sincere. Okay, I, I just want to say here, if this is real. So he is speaking to God as a person who is at least doubtful that any of this is real. And yet for him, that was a valid prayer that God answered because he was sincere. I bet every atheist listening to this sermon who used to be a Christian has prayed that prayer a thousand times. Didn't get the same result. And so I really began to expect that on a daily basis to where I would pray and I would almost pray with one eye open because that, <laughs> there was that much expectation. Jesus is going to walk through the wall. Um, I will never forget. It was February 11th, 2018. And I had just gotten off of a 12 hour shift. I knew I had to preach for our church service the next day. I went to bed and I said, I'm just going to get three hours of sleep and I'll be okay. And so I went to bed and the next thing I knew, I had the sensation to get up and go to the bathroom. And I remember I literally swung around, put my feet on the floor. I was in our guest bedroom because I didn't want to disturb my wife. I start walking to the door and I extend my right hand. And when I reach out my right hand to turn the knob, it was literally like a bomb went off. Okay, so he didn't get any sleep. He was only going to get three hours of sleep. So he's sleep deprived and his brain is doing some pretty strange things. He might even be sleepwalking. Flew in the air again. I flew in the air. I flew back and I hit the ground. He flew back and he hit the ground back first, likely head first, just trying to treat his story with as much seriousness as possible. So he's sleep deprived and he fell and hit his head. What type of hallucinations might come from an event like that? And when I hit the ground, Sid, I literally was laying on my back and I opened my eyes and the first thing I heard, li literally, heaven had broken into my room. Literally, the atmosphere of heaven was there. The glory of God was in my room. I heard angels singing. I heard string instruments. And the first thing I noticed was the peace of God that filled the room. This was a real tangible peace that could be felt. You feel like you could hug it. And it was literally like the air molecules were charged with the peace of God. Sir, you have a concussion. And so I, I sit up and I look to my door, to my right, where I was about to open, and I see Jesus standing there, but his back is to me. You see Jesus. Was he wearing a name tag on his back? His back was to you. You know, we, we have a lot of pictures, a lot of artist renders of what they think Jesus might have looked like. We have very few, if any, of his back. How did you recognize that it was Jesus from his back? Do tell. He has a white robe on. He has long Jewish great hair. And he has copper toned skin. White robe, long Jewish great 
hair? Copper skin? Let me let me revise my estimation. You you didn't slip and fall. A burglar came in and hit you on the head. And when you came to, you saw him from behind as he was leaving. And then the hallucination started. And immediately I processed that that's Jesus. And I knew his presence. I knew it was him. And I'm just thinking. And so I call out and I say, Jesus. So you could tell the difference between, say, the presence of Jesus and the presence of some other supernatural being, say, a demon. Jesus. And immediately said, the first thing I noticed, it didn't come out of my mouth. It came out of my heart and my head. And when I called out to him, he turned around and he reached out his right hand to me. And I reached his hand out and I said, thank you. And he looked at me and he said, I love you. And I let go of his hand and he's about to turn around as if he's going to go through the door. And I started almost getting anxious because I didn't want him to leave. And I was completely cognizant. I thought it was as physical as what me and you are talking right here. But I didn't know if I was in my body or outside of my body, just like Paul mm -hmm. says. And so literally, I get anxious and I say, Jesus, don't leave. Again, from my heart and from my head. And I actually sit up to grab his arm. And I grab his arm and I feel a body. I feel muscle tonation. And he turns around and he kind of smiles and he says, I love you a second time, more affirming, more convicting. And then he says, I'll be back. And he proceeds to leave. And Sid, another thing that I got out of the encounter was the humility of Jesus. Because you know, when me and you are ready to leave, we're like ready to leave. And if somebody grabs us, we're gonna be like, yo, let go of me. But he has so much understanding and compassion and humility. And when I came out, I eventually re-went to the scripture that said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I'm meek and lowly at heart. I felt the meekness of Jesus. I felt the lowliness. And when he proceeded to walk through the door, I appeared back in my bed. I never walked to it. What were the last words he said to you? The last words he said was, I'll be back. I'll be back. Did that mean I'll be back to visit you or I'll be back to return to take over my kingdom? I knew that he was saying he would be back to visit me and he came back. How would you like Jesus to visit you and then say, and you know what? I like you. I'll be back. Anything God does with Derek, he desires to do for you. Now, Derek knows the door for you to have your own supernatural encounters with God. Well, do tell. And I'm going to have him pray for you yes. when we return. Wait, wait a minute, where are you going? We'll be right back to It's Supernatural. No, no, don't leave me hanging. Call now and get Derek Snodgrass anointed five-part audio CD oh, teaching series. Man. Encountering the God. This is a sales pitch. Dang. All of that, I'm starting to get the sense that some of this story might be fabricated for the soft-headed so that they can swing this sales pitch by them. You can have the secrets on DVD for four easy payments of $39.95. Dang. Of glory. This is an exclusive offer for we our supernatural okay, audience. We got Yours for a give you five life-changing yeah, no, teachings I'm just on skipping through this. After he's visited us, okay. I'll be back. 
The door of encounters begins with relentless hunger. I like relentless. Yes, sir. Uh, now, my favorite teaching that you have, you've actually done a CD on this. There's no way we can cover it all, you know, in a, in a few minutes. But it, th this, this teaching will impact you like nothing you've ever had. Derek saw the tear room in heaven. Uh, okay, um, show of hands, how many people have heard of the tear room in heaven? Psalm 56, 8 talks about exactly what you saw. What does that say? Yeah, it says that God records our sorrows in his book and he bottles our tears. And so I just began to meditate on that word. I just began to ponder that word in my mind. And I went into an encounter and Jesus said that he wanted to show me the tear room in heaven. And see it, I had never even heard of a tear room in heaven. I never heard as much as I watched your show and as many people as I knew who had encounters, I had never heard of that. That's okay, I've never heard of it either. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I began to walk down this corridor with Jesus. It's an upscale, elegant room. And as we get into this tear room, I see innumerable tear bottles all shapes, all sizes. They're crystal, they're clear. It was a really upscale room. And so once I got to the bottles, I went closer to them and I began to look and I could literally hear the tears crying out. It was like they had cellular memory. Whatever caused the individual pain or to cry on earth, that was still there and I could still hear it. And so as I began to look closer at the tear bottles, I literally saw a visual timeline, the scenes from the individual's life that caused those tears to be there. Was there any one person's bottle of tears that we might know of that made a big impact on you? Oh, it was many people's. Um, I saw Moses, I saw Elijah's, I saw Catherine Kuhlman's tear bottle. You know, I saw her. Did they have names written on them? Were the names written in English or Hebrew or something else? Because this man doesn't know Hebrew. Uh, were there pictures of the people? I mean, he could see scenes from their lives, but unless they were looking at a mirror, he wouldn't have seen them. But even if there were pictures in the bottle, what does Moses look like exactly? Her bottles and so many others and Jesus was like come on come on I got some more I want to show you I saw a contraption and I didn't really have language for it then but it was like a portal passageway and I saw angels ascending and descending coming in and out of it and so me and it's called a transporter and you're watching an episode of Star Trek you fool Jesus looked down he showed me what the process of collecting the tears looked like when we looked down we saw universe, planet, stars. But then the scene switched to a home. There was a single parent mom and she had a lot of stress on her. She was going through a lot of pain. She didn't have finances or income. She had multiple children and one was very sick. I saw her praying and crying and she was just weeping at a breaking point where she really wanted to give up. And so I see an angel in her house and the angel is there to collect the tears. And the angel is also there to give her strength and to empower her. And so it gets to the point where she takes a deep breath in and a deep breath out and she stops crying. And then Jesus says the angel is strengthening her. And just that quick, the angel was back with a bottle of tears that he added to her bottle. And you saw tear bottles of people that you absolutely knew did not make it to heaven 
Why do you think God kept them? See, as soon as I saw the bottles of what we would term as wicked or vile or evil men, my immediate reaction was I was offended. I was upset and I was offended because I didn't feel like those bottles should be there at all, especially in a room right. with people I revered. And so as soon as I looked at Jesus and I said, what are these bottles doing here? The first thing he said, as quick as I could ask it, he says, the Father loves them all the same. And it stopped me dead in my tracks because I would have never thought of it that way. And Sid, what I really took out of that is this. Even though a lot of times on earth we make bad decisions or a lot of times we do things that separate us from God, his love for his children and for humanity is unconditional, which means without conditions. It's unchanging because God prepares for us as if we're all going to make it. Sometimes we just write people off and say, oh, they're messed up. But God doesn't view them that way. He's cheering for them. He's rooting for them. And he desires for them to be saved and to make it to heaven. That's you. Say this prayer out loud. Mean it to the best of your ability. Are you ready to make Jesus really your Lord and not just your life insurance policy? Okay, let's, Repeat let's this give this a try. Me. Dear God, dear God, aloud, dear God, dear God, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I ask you, Jesus, to live inside of me. I ask you, Jesus, to live inside of me. Be my Lord. Be my Lord. Amen. Amen. Just one moment more. I want you to pray for the desperation and hunger to come upon everyone watching. We need another prayer? Yeah, if you're watching this broadcast today, listen, God has located you. It's not an accident. And I just want you, wherever you are right now, to just begin to release faith and lift up your hands wherever you are. And I'm just going to okay. begin to pray an impartation so that desperation and hunger would arise. Apparently the Spirit first one of the didn't living take. God, we just thank you right now for every my viewer, all of those that are listening to this broadcast. I pray that spiritual hunger and okay. awakening would follow awakening. them right now in the name of Jesus. Name of Father, Jesus. I thank you that they'll be more hungry for you hungry. and more desperate for you than they so ever have been before. Father, I just speak to those Amen. individuals who feel like maybe it's over or they've they've seen can, their can best we start days, wrapping it up the rest of their days will be the best of their days that their latter hunger. will be greater than their beginning greater than and beginning. i just speak the word that just as jesus grew in okay, wisdom and in stature and in favor we, with god and man those yeah. that are listening will okay. encounter you and they'll grow in the I've, same I've way lost the plot I thank now. you god we, for your presence yeah. i thank you for your glory that they will encounter the god we're winding of glory. down right now in jesus name Amen. Amen. God, am I hungry?